we're going to go into our series now, uh, part two. We started last week. We're talking about no limits. And uh, when I say no limits, most of the time when we use the word no limits, we're talking about sort of an ascending idea. There's no limits to how high you can go. There's no limits to how far you can go. That's sort of the idea of no limits. But the no limits we're talking about in this sort of series that God is dealing with us about over the next couple of weeks is going to be about the limits that we have and therefore the limits we put on God. And we're telling God, God, we are yours with no limits. And we're going to be going through what are the limits that we put on God or what are the limits that we have in our life that stop God from working or stop God from fully revealing himself in our lives and through our lives. And so when we say no limits, don't think of it as, yes, no limits, how high can we go? But think about it as, I want to have no limits in my life. Last week we talked about a scripture where three different individuals come to Jesus and each one of them profess a desire to follow Jesus Christ. And in a very noble way, they profess. And in some ways, they had already started following him because the scripture said, we read it last week, the scripture tells us that he was walking on the road and they were walking with him. So they were already sort of in a declaration of, I want to follow you. But then Jesus, understanding their heart, discerning where they really were, asked each one of them and, and, and challenged each one of them, is the better way of saying it, with a particular limit that they had. The first guy, he challenged him with the limit of personal comfort. He told the guy, listen, where I'm going, I don't have a place to lay my head. I don't have a place that I can call home. There may be plenty of times I don't have a roof over my head. And I can tell that you're willing to follow me, but are you willing to follow me beyond the limit of your comfort? The second guy he spoke to when he professed his desire to follow Jesus, Jesus was speaking to him, and this guy said, okay, I'm following you, but I have the limitation of a dead father of some things in my past that I need to go get cleaned up and put right. And once I get my past straight, then I can follow you. And Jesus looked at him and said, let the bury dead bury the dead, meaning let the past be the past. Follow me now. Because this guy had a limitation of things that he felt like in his past disqualified him from walking with Jesus in his present. And Jesus challenged him on the limit of his past. And finally, the third guy said, I'll follow you, but let me go home and tell my family goodbye, and then I'll follow you. And Jesus challenged him and said, nobody puts his hands to the plow and then returns back to it. Jesus wasn't saying, I don't want you to love your family. I don't want you to go back to your family. But Jesus was saying, there's a weakness in you that when it comes down to it, you're going to choose your earthly family over me. God's not interested in being second or third place in your life. Not that God's asking you to, there's some, and I will say this as a disclaimer, there are some that have used God as a excuse to be a poor father or a poor mother, where they say, well, I'm so spiritual, I don't have time for my family. That is not God. I'm going to let you know right now, I don't even need to pray about it. I can tell you that it's not God. 
You don't, you can't say I'm so busy. I don't have time to be a husband. I don't have time to be a wife because I'm doing too many things for Jesus. I'm telling you right now, you may be doing things for Jesus, but you're not doing it through Jesus and by Jesus. You might be working for God, but God's not working in you and through you. And there's a big difference to that. And so Jesus turned to him and said, you know what? This ain't going to work because there's going to be a time where you're going to start getting homesick and you're going to leave or you're going to hear the voice of the, your family calling and you're not going to listen to my voice. I, God wants you to be the best father, mother, uh, husband, wife, mother, father, whatever else category is. He wants you to be the best in that. He wants your family to be healthy and strong. I believe that with everything in me. But he only does that if he is first. You can't put your kids, your spouse, your parents. Nobody can be ahead of God and you reap the benefit that comes with the blessing of his lordship in your life. So we're talking about no limits. So we're going to go further today because... We're going to talk about a different type of limit that a limit that we put on God that we don't even realize is a limit, but we're going to hit it today hard. And we're going to show you that somewhere in your life, I guarantee you, this has been a challenge. We're going to talk about the limitation when God says no. You see, when everything in our life is going great, when all of our when all of our world seems to be together, when everything in our life is going according to plan, there are no limits. But the moment that God starts doing something that we think is not according to the what we had figured out for our life or our plan, all of a sudden we put the brakes on and we say, ah, 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 wait a minute, God, I didn't sign up for this. This is beyond my limits. This is beyond my limits. I want to share with you a story of a individual, and I'm going to play you the clip this morning to kind of set up what we're going to talk about today. It's a story of a, a young man by the name of Inky Johnson. He's not a young man now. He's probably close to, I guess he's my age. Inky Johnson was a highly touted, highly skilled football player for the University of Tennessee, playing in front of crowds of 100,000 on his way to the NFL to star in the NFL and to make millions of dollars. And on one particular play in a football game, something tragic happened that changed his life. And he addresses in his story what it's like to live with no limits when God says, no. And when we're done that clip, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about a particular person in the Bible where they had to be tested even in their limits. So take a moment here. We're going to share with you this clip by Inky Johnson where we got to find out sometimes what do we do when God says no. Take a watch. Take a look. Coming to my junior year and I'm about to get exactly what I want. About to get this thing called NFL. And I'm 10 games away from this dream that I wanted my whole life, right? This thing that I've been working for my whole life. My whole life is dedicated to this one game. I'm up Saturday mornings, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, two miles to a fire station, two miles back home. I'm in the park, 9.30, 10 at night, doing everything in my life surrounded the game of football. I'm sitting at home at night. I'm throwing balls up. 
to the ceiling and I'm catching them different type of ways trying to see if a receiver was to check me if I wanted to catch an intercept like everything revolved around this game and I finally get in the position in my life to where now I'm 10 games away from it I got the paperwork that states I'm about to be an NFL draft pick NFL on top of the paper Inky Johnson projected top 30 automatic multi-millionaire now all you have to do the hard part's over just play the next 10 football games Ink, you, you, you made it and I go out in a silly game against Air Force, two minutes left, and I go to make a tackle that I can make with my eyes closed. And I hit this guy, and as soon as I hit him, I knew it was a problem, but I didn't think it would be this type of problem. Like, you know how when things happen, you're like, ah, oh, I didn't expect that, but I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy. And when I hit him, every breath in my body left, my body goes completely limp, I fall to the ground, I blacked out, my eyes open, I'm still not, you know, too concerned, because it's football. I told Pastor, I never thought about a career in an injury. You have injuries within the game. When my eyes open, guys run over, ink, let's rock, man, let's go, let's finish them off. And I'm like, I, I can't. They're like, what do you mean you can't? You're a starting corner, get up, you can nurse your injury after the game, man. I'm like, no, I can't. They said, what do you mean you can't? I said, I can't move. It's a shock, neck to my toes, I can't feel anything. Shock leaves. It stays in my right arm and hand. I'm like, maybe I got a bad stinger. They put me on the spine board, willing me off the field. Doctor says to me as he's walking beside me, I don't know how you're still alive, son. You don't have any pulse. We get to the ambulance. My father's standing there. I'm like, pops, I laid it on him, right? I put it on him, right? My dad's like, yeah, but I think you got the worst part of this for me. Doctor say, we're going to take you over, run a couple tests, bring you back into the room. Everything will be cool. They run the test, they bring me back into the room, mom comes in, kisses, prays, son, you'll be fine. She's going to walk out, doctors rush in, head boy says, hey ma'am, got to rush him back to surgery, he's about to die. And I look at him and I want to ask him, like, man, you can't use another word? Like, use a synonym, brother. How y'all say die? Like, you sure die, man? And he could tell from how I'm looking at him that I'm questioning and he says to me, you ruptured a subclavian artery in your chest, you're bleeding internally. If we don't perform this surgery tonight, I guarantee you, you won't be here in the morning. From seven years old to 20 years old, boiled down to one moment. The sacrifice, the dedication, the commitment came down to one moment. And the next morning I woke up from that surgery, the NFL on my scale of life, that big. SEC championship, that big. Cornerback, that big. I was embarrassed. I'm sitting there and people coming into my room like, Inky, man, um, I'm sorry about what happened to you. And I'm saying to myself, uh, man, ain't you really messed it up this time? Like, man, that's really the only thing you wanted, huh? Like, you just thought because you grew up in this um, so-called hood, two-bedroom home, 14 people. Like, the only thing you really wanted was the NFL. That's it. I'm like, man, you limited God to that? Like, life holds no substance, no value? Like, efficient but not effective. I did things right, but I never did the right thing. And now the thing I placed my identity in, now it was gone. That's why I laugh at people when they say, man, if I could just get this, I'll be. 
Man, if I could just get this position, I'll be, woo. Man, if I could just get this amount of money, I'll be, I'm like, woo. But what happens even if you get it or you don't get it? What happens when God says yes and no? Like, do you have the ability to accept what you don't understand? Can you still see God's plan when it didn't go the way that you thought it would go? Can you handle when things get off course? I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, like, man, I'm eight games away and God is redirecting me. And I'm like, God, just let me get to the NFL, then redirect me. Like, let me get the contract, then redirect me so I can help my family. And God is like, no, son, I need you to really go that way. And I'm like, you sure? Like, man, I need to go this way. He's like, no, I need you to go this way. I got something greater for you. Now, it might take a little longer to manifest, but I got something even sweeter. Like, I got something more fulfilling. I got something more rewarding. I got something, son, that's going to carry you for the rest of your life. Like, it's an amazing thing. I knew this was what I was supposed to be doing when one day I'm backstage and I got the same feeling that I got when I used to be in the tunnel before I was running out of Neyland Stadium. I said, thank you, God. And so now I live my life a certain type of way according to what God has done. I live my life a certain type of way according to the power that I know the Lord possesses. I live my life a certain type. Like when I go to the Lord in prayer, I go bold. And every time I go bold, I'm so thankful that that's not me and my Lord's first time communicating. And people have the nerve to ask me all the time, Inky, why wouldn't you change what happened to you? You got a paralyzed right arm and hand. I'm like, if you only knew and if you only saw the works that God has done in people's lives around me, what he's done in me, yeah, it's great, it's cool. But what God has done in the people's lives around me, like, you can't put a price on that. Like, at a certain point, like, what is it really about? Like, and I know the initial reaction when we go through things is to say, man, why did this have to happen to me? And it's an honest reaction. Because sometimes good people go through some crazy stuff. And some of the things we go through, I'm going to just be real, it's not, a, it's not a scripture for it. It's not. You can't go, hey, go to Romans 2-2. They're like, what? It's not. But this is what I've understood. In life, some people don't need you to preach a sermon. They need you to live one. And so when they see you living it, they can connect and identify with that. The only thing I ask of you, as talented, as brilliant, as powerful, as beautiful as you are, never allow life to make you forget why you started in the first place. Meaning that first time you said, man, I'm riding with Christ, let's go. That first feeling you got, like that first interaction, that first connection you got, like when you first got it. It's like when people say at at the beginning, everybody is excited, everybody is on fire, but at a certain point you hit something along the journey and it's going to test that level of commitment. At a certain point you're going to hit something, it's going to test that level of faith. And my definition of commitment was always staying true to what I said I would do long after the mood that I've set it in has left. Like, am I going to stay true to my beliefs and my core and my essence of who I am as an individual, even if I get a paralyzed right arm and hand? Am I going to stay true to it, even if my little career that I thought I was going to have disappears? Am I going to stay true to it, even if one day I'm in a football game, the thing I love to do, the thing I have been practicing my whole life, and in one moment it gets wiped out? Am I going to stay true to it? 
Because depending upon if I'm going to stay true to it, a lot of other people's belief in their Christian journey is predicated upon that and my belief in my Christian journey. In other words, I've seen a lot of other people say, Inky, I want to give my life to Christ, not because of something that happened with me, but because of something I've seen happen to you. And so when ESPN comes to me and say, Inky, you wouldn't be in the NFL right now? I'm like, if you only knew. If you only knew my father got saved because of my injury. If you only knew, my three boys that went first round to the NFL, all of them got saved. If you only knew. If you only knew my mother, the level of her faith, like, if you only knew. Like, I just seen God do some things through the injury, and I'm like, man, I just, every day I wake up, I just try to stay out of his way. I'm going to leave you with this. We already know what to do when God says Yes. We already know what to do when we get blessed. We already know what to do when our prayers get answered. But the question that I have for you in this rhetorical, what will you do when God says no? What will you do when God says no? We're talking about no limits. And the story we just heard, the story of Inky Johnson and what he went through on the football field and how his life turned. There were several things that in that story, as I watched it for the very first time, challenged me um, because he made the statement there, can you handle when you are faced with things that you don't understand? And he talked about sort of the the, the typical arc that happens in our Christian journey. Uh, and, and it happens to all of us if, if, you're, if you're brand new, to walking with Jesus today and and you're just beginning to walk with him whatever level that is you'll you'll find this to be the case and I say this not because I'm trying to depress you I'm saying this because I want you to recognize when it happens and that way you understand what's happening and you can navigate it and conquer it better than a lot of us have in our own journey and that is we all start with an excitement. There's an excitement that happens when we come to Jesus, when we, when, we, when, when we receive his spirit in our life, when we're baptized in his name and we feel that cleansing and that washing, that brand new life that happens. It, there's such a freedom and a liberating power that happens. It's, 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 it's contagious. It's exciting. But there's going to come a point in time and it, for all of us, it, it's varying degrees. It can't say, well, it happens at three months, six months, nine months, a year. It can happen at any time, but you're going to hit a wall. You're going to come face to face with something, a faith challenge, as, as uh, Inky Johnson called it, whether it's a faith challenge, a faith challenge or something in your life that's going to bring you to a point where it's going to test your limitations. And you're going to find out real quickly, are you someone that's going to tell God, I'm willing to follow you, I'm willing to go where you go with no limits? You see, the hardest thing to do sometimes, it's, it's easy to follow God when everything is working out well and there's, there's, there's a clear picture in, 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 in play and there's, 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 everything seems to be according, according to your plan and the way you've laid it out, but, but we've all been there where, where life seemingly takes a right turn and we're faced with having to come to the acceptance am i willing to continue to walk with jesus even though i don't understand what's going on even though i can't see the benefit of why god has allowed this to happen in my life 
Is this going to become a stepping stone or will it become a limitation? God is unlimited. We know this. We could talk about it. The scripture is filled with 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 story after story, with truth after truth of the unlimited power, the infinite power of Jesus Christ, of God made flesh, of the almighty Jehovah of the old, Jesus of the new, of the of of the I am becoming flesh. He is unlimited. He's not he's omnipresent, omniscient. He's all of these things. He's all of these things. He's completely unlimited. But yet he has chosen to join himself with a finite and frail being such as you and I. And it's his desire so that all of his unlimited power can flow and and be put into us and through us. That he has to work through our limitations and he has to work in us to remove limitations. If I had a if I had a, a a pipe here today that was 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 somehow long and it had uh, two ends that what was inside that pipe would limit the flow of whatever liquid you were trying to get through that pipe whether it's it could be air or whatever else that the blockages in that pipe become a limitation. And so Maybe you've never had this happen. There are times in, in, uh, in we've had where we've had to put something down the drain or hire someone to come in and snake the drain, right? Because there's something in the drain that is causing a blockage. There's a limitation in the drain. So therefore, there's water, but it can't get to the source. Or there's waste that needs to go out, but it's blocked. It's limited. And so in order to fix it, you don't start questioning the source. You look at where is the limitation. The source is not the problem today. God is everything and all things. He's everything that he said he was in this Bible and more. The limitation is not God. The limitation is the limits that we are putting on him in our own life. And those limitations can come in many degrees. And we're going to talk more about those in the upcoming week. But the one we're talking about today is the limitation that comes when we don't understand or we perceive that God is telling us no. How do we handle that? There is a scripture that very that but perfectly exemplifies what I'm trying to state here today. It's the story of John the Baptist. A lot of you know this, and you probably already know where I'm going. John the Baptist was the, was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He was uh, the one that came before him. He was the one who spoke out in the wilderness, as the Bible says, prepare ye the way of the Lord. And when it came down to it, and Jesus finally announced himself on the scene and stepped into his role out of the carpenter into the role of being the declared Messiah and the Son of God. It was John the Baptist who made the first declaration that behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. It was John the Baptist who was the first one to speak and declare the Messiahship of Jesus Christ, the Lordship, the, 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 the deity of Christ, who this was. But Jesus' ministry seemed to take off and John's ministry seems to have taken a nosedive. He eventually becomes, he gets arrested and he finds himself in prison. 
He's locked up facing the death penalty. He's about to be put to death and he is in a moment of weakness. He's in a moment of distraught. He's a guy who so strongly declared with such fervency who Jesus was with such confidence. He was even the one that baptized Jesus. He was the one that saw the dove ascending out of the cloud and the voice speaking, behold, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. This guy was it, man. He was, it was Jesus and then John the Baptist. It wasn't Peter and Paul and Matthew and John and all those guys. They came later. It was Jesus and then right there, it was John the Baptist. This was the guy. He had become sort of a, a, a little bit of, a, he had created a reputation where even some of the elites of society were leaving outside the city, going out in the wilderness to see a guy that was dressed in camel's hair, who ate locusts for nourishment, yelling and screaming for repentance and declaring the way of the Lord. And he's now found himself alone, sitting in his prison cell, waiting execution within the next few days. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 7, verse number 18, it says, Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his, two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Wait a minute. Wait a minute, John. You're the one who said that he was the one. You are the one that baptized him. You are the one who, who was there when you put him in the water in the Jordan River and he came out and the dove ascended and the voice came out of heaven. What do you mean? Are you the one of anybody? You know, this is the one. He even said, behold, I'm not even, I'm not even worthy to, un, un, to unlatch your buckles on your sandals. I'm not even worthy to touch your shoes, man. And he says, ask him. Are you the coming one or do we look for another? And when the men had come to Jesus, they say, John the Baptist has sent us saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And that very hour, he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, afflictions and evil spirits. And to many blind, he gave sight. Man, all of a sudden, Jesus is doing stuff. Wait a minute. What about my man, my poor guy, John the Baptist? You're healing everybody. You're doing awesome stuff. But what about the guy who was the, who was the, who was the one that made all this possible? Jesus, he was the one. What about him? And Jesus told them this. Listen, send him a message. Go tell John the things you've seen and heard. That the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And then Jesus finally gives John an answer. And tell him this, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. The actual Greek translation there, when you put it together, can read like this. Tell John, blessed is he who is not offended in the way that I run his life. Blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Blessed is he who's not offended because I've told him no. Wait a minute. Don't go tell John. John's waiting for them to come back right and say, Hey, listen, Jesus, is, he hadn't forgotten you. Don't worry. 
He's got a lot of stuff he's doing right now. People are being healed, delivered. He'll get to you in a minute. Just hang tight. He's got you. Next thing you know, like the next day, John's laying there on his stone cot waiting for execution. And suddenly there's a rumbling and the shaking of the foundations of the earth. And Jesus comes walking in. I'm trying to get a little more dramatic here for emphasis sake. But Jesus comes walking into the prison and flicks his finger and the doors break open and John raises up and Jesus takes John by the hand and says, I'm still here. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. You're still my guy, John. Let's go do this thing. And Jesus takes John by the hand and John takes Jesus by the hand and they walk out and the rest is history. That's what he was expecting. I I really believe when you read this, that's where this, this was a guy who exuded the very essence of faith, of proclamation. This is God. Hey, everybody, this is the one. And not only that, but he was standing right next to Jesus when a voice from heaven declared, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And he's questioning, are you even the one? And Jesus' response to him was, tell John, I'm not coming to change his circumstance. I'll give him this. Blessed is he who's not offended because of me. What do you do when God answers the prayer, but the answer that comes is not the one that you were expecting? What do you do when you're praying and believing for something with everything you have in you, with all sincerity, with every part of you, and you believe it, and you profess it, and you proclaim it, and then you pray for it, and God answers, but His answer is not what you want it to be. What do you do? You're faced with a limit. You're faced with the idea of a limitation. What do you do? Because now you're going to have to deal with a limitation. Is this going to be the limit of you and God? Is it going to be God? I'm willing to follow you as long as everything goes according to plan. As long as, as long as everything in my life is going exactly. If I never experience pain, if I never experience hurt, I've never experienced disappointment. If I never have to go through trials or darkness or pain or suffering or what else, I'm okay. But the moment my life starts going any direction that I'm not prepared for, what do I do? Because you might call it anything, but we're going to call it, that's a limitation. And I'm telling you this, God is going to test every aspect of your life and every limitation you have to see, are you going to let that limitation define you? Are you going to be defined by him and say, God, there are no limits. We know The story finishes that just a few hours after all this, just a few hours after these words were spoken to John the Baptist, he was finally executed and beheaded. It was over with. It's done. It it, it seems as if it was a failure, but but something about that scripture that jumps out at me a little bit because here's 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 a little bit of the, the the backstory is that John had created this following and noticed this who came to John it was his disciples 
And John brought two of his disciples to go ask Jesus. But you see, Jesus was not trying to come to just be a side note. He was coming to be the one, the Messiah. And John had to make the decision. Am I willing to decrease that he can increase? Am I willing to give up what I have done here so that he can be all that he wants, that he needs to be? I love how Inky Johnson put it. He talked about there's sometimes in scripture what we go through doesn't have a scripture. He made the statement, you know, sometimes you can't go to Romans 2 2. There is no Romans 2 no Romans 2 2. And he said, you know, there's times where you can be efficient and not effective. I love that. We can do the we can do things right, but not mean we're doing the right thing. You see, this was the limitation that John had. He didn't realize he had, but Jesus in his love was willing. Are you willing to take this all the way, John? Or is this going to be a limitation? Because you know what? When the words of Jesus hit John's ears being delivered that day, I believe John knew in his heart what that meant. He meant, it meant, I'm not getting out of this situation. But John's death The blood spilled at his death was another watering of the seed that became the fulfillment of Jesus Christ on this earth. And eventually, why you and I have Christ in us. It was through the seed and the watering of John's death. I love how Inky Johnson uh, shared his testimony Basically, because the fact that not only has his life been affected, but so many around him have been affected and have been changed by watching him live out what has happened in his life. I wonder if that day, the Bible doesn't say, but I'm going to speculate. I wonder if those two disciples that showed back up at John, when they told John the message. I wonder By watching John receive that word. And whatever he received it in. He must have received it in a way that finished off the story. It was done. We never hear anything else from that moment. He must have realized then. Okay. I believe. I don't like it. But I accept it. Because this is not going to limit me. I wonder by watching John. If those. We don't know their names. We don't know what happened to them. But I wonder where those two disciples went to. Because I wonder if they went, you know what, if he's willing to go that far for this man named Jesus, then ultimately, so are we. People are watching us. They're watching how we live. When you profess that you know Jesus Christ, you become a living, walking billboard. You become a living, walking advertisement for Jesus Christ. Not Because everything in your life is perfect. But how are you going to live out? This is one of the reasons why bad things happen to believers. We often say, I've done everything. I've, I've, I've prayed. I've sought God. I've lived a holy life. I've done all these things. I've done all this stuff. And, and in the end, I've got all this problem. Why, God? Why are you allowing this? Because you know what? You can't prove what you know until it's put to the test. When everything's going great, when everything in life is perfect, we're no different than anybody else. What makes us different is when we're at our lowest, he's at his highest. 
When we're at our darkest, Jesus is at his strongest. When we're at his weakest, he is at his supreme strength. That's what makes us different. So you know what? We as believers are going to go through things. Because when we go through those things, and yet we're still able to go through them, we become the living, breathing epistles, the, the billboards, the advertisement of the power of Jesus Christ in us and through us. We're not testimonies because everything in our life is perfect. We don't testify because everything in our life is smooth and our, our, our marriages are perfect, our families are perfect, our finances are perfect, our lives are perfect, our cars never break down, our bodies never get sick. We are living, breathing testimonies because we can look and say, you know what? We will not be offended when our life doesn't go the way we think it should go. We won't get offended Because we know and we understand that there are no limits to how far we are willing to follow him. And when he asks us to go farther, our response will be yay and amen. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. No limits. There are no limits. Are there things right now going on in your life you don't understand? Absolutely. Are there trials and circumstances and tests that are happening right now that you don't understand? 1,000% yes. But that is not a limitation. It's an opportunity for you to display the fact that you walk and believe what you say you walk and believe. Every story doesn't always have a beautiful ending. Every story has its challenges. I love today's music. There's so many songs today that challenge me that I've loved and uh, I enjoy listening to. And um, I, I really do enjoy. But there's so many old songs, hymns that we call them, that when you finally get to hear the true story behind them, the words just seem to echo. For example, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. What a beautiful song, but when you realize who wrote that, what the circumstances were behind that, what that man was doing and involved in when he, when he got the inspiration for that song, And how it changed his life. And so when he said, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He was not trying to write a billboard top 100 chart topping song. He was trying to to share his heart and what he was dealing with. I've shared this story before, but the song, Tis So Sweet, the trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word. Jesus, Jesus, Precious Jesus, oh, for me to trust him more. That was written by, a, by a, a woman who had watched her husband drown trying to rescue another boy at the seashore. And in her distraught trying to put this words, put, these, put this pain into thought, the words, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus came out. I want to share with you another story of one of the hymns maybe you've heard. But I want to share with you the backstory because we're talking about no limits. I want to share this story. 
you take a moment, you watch this clip. I want you to hear this story. Nettie was about to bear our first child when I was called to St. Louis to sing in a revival. She persuaded me that I should go, so I drove to St. Louis. During the revival, I was brought a telegram. It was a message that my wife had died giving birth to our son. A friend drove me back to Chicago that night. When I arrived, I found the wonderful baby boy was seemingly fine, and yet that night he also died. I buried my wife and little son in the same casket. I became despondent and filled with grief. A few days later, I visited with my good friend. During my visit, I sat down at a piano and began to improvise. As I played, I began to say, Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me to reach into his unlimited. It's our limits that reach into his unlimited. And so when we reach our limit, we're offered the hand of the unlimited. We're talking about no limits. 
What do you do when God says no? What do you do when you're faced with things you don't understand? It's not easy. I'm no way trying to make this into something that's mind over matter. It sometimes rips at the very core of your being. It tears at your own fabric. It, 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 it erodes sometimes the very emotional makeup of you as a human being. But it's in those times where you feel like you have reached your limit, where God's hand is at its greatest. So can I tell you today, there's a challenge, the fact that, yes, God, I don't want there to be no limits in my life. But when I say those words, I'm so thankful today by saying that, that God does not leave me empty handed. Can't imagine what it must have been like to get the word of your, you know, he said he was, he was singing at a revival. He was, he was out there doing John the Baptist, right? He's out there doing what God has led him to do. He wasn't out there doing his own thing. He wasn't out there, you know, running the road and doing all kinds of crazy stuff according to his own flesh. He was at a revival singing and gets word that his wife had died there in childbirth. And, and what's even more heartbreaking in that whole story was he got home enough to be able to see his baby boy long enough before his baby boy passed away just a few hours after he returned home. And in all of that pain and agony and emotion as a man who has lost his husband, uh, his wife, and then a man who has lost his baby boy within just a few short moments of each other, in his agony trying to express this, he says, Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on. Let me stand. I'm tired. I'm weak. And I'm worn. But through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Precious Lord, take my hand. Can I tell you something today, my friend? You have a Heavenly Father who is offering you His hand. He's not punishing you. I don't even know how you would explain in any kind of rational understanding of why that would happen. How can you lose a, a, a wife and a son within just a matter of moments to each other? What kind of God do we have? What kind of God would do that? But in and all that, the answer came to, precious Lord, take my hand. I'm not going to get bitter in the way you run my life. I'm not going to get bitter because my life hasn't turned out exactly the way it's supposed to have gone where I thought it should be. And when given the choice to get bitter or to get better, I choose to take a hold of your hand. I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm worn. I don't know if I can make it another day, God, but I know that there are no limits to how far I'm willing to go with you. But I can't do it on my own, so I pray today, God, take my hand. Take it. This is our prayer today, Jesus. 
those that are watching today, God, that they don't understand why life is going the way it is, why things have turned out the way it is, why, why it seems like life is taking a turn and they can't get a, they can't get a hold on it. And God, they're being pressed on every side and now they're faced with the limitations of, do we get offended? Do we get bitter or do we get better? In those moments, Father, I pray that they would just see the picture of your nail-scarred hand reaching out to them, saying, here, take my hand. I'm not giving you an answer, but I'm giving you an answer. My answer is, here's my hand, take it. Here's my hand, grab a hold of it. I'll be your strength. I'll be your strength. Just take God, you know and see every single thing happening right now in every heart and every life. And God, you're the author and the finisher of our faith. But our faith is in you. Our faith is not in our circumstance. Our faith is not in our intellectual ability to figure out our problems. But our faith is in you. And so, Father, today we declare we have no limits. We will follow you. But, Father, we will follow you hand in hand. We will follow you hand in hand. We say today, we declare today, we have no limits, but God, we say that with our hand grabbing a hold of your nail-scarred hand. And where you lead, we will follow. No limits. No limits. You may not understand it. You may question it. Things may have been going completely wrong in your life. But the question comes down to, would you tell God today, God, I'll follow you as far as you want to go with no limits. And when you tell God you have no limits, you are then able to tap into his unlimited supply of peace, of grace, of love, of joy, of righteousness. When you become unlimited, you have access to the God of the unlimited. And then it doesn't matter if things change or not. If you become Inky Johnson with an arm that dangles down at your side, completely limp, or every day you have to get up and declare, take my hand, precious Lord. Lead me on. You understand that it's through my no limits that I have access to his unlimited grace and peace and love. No limits. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. And I pray in Jesus' name that this word has found a lodging place in your heart and that it would produce fruit in you and would bring you closer to Jesus Christ and more like him. God bless you in Jesus' name. We'll see you again next week, 10 a.m. Tuesday Talks at 7.30. God bless.